welcome to Fishing Without Bait. You've opened the door, and guess what you found behind the door? Maybe you were looking for something else. Maybe you were going to another movie theater and looking for another film, however you found this one. So let's practice some acceptance and accept the fact that you're here at Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we ask people to create their lives rather than to find them, to explore and explode into their lives with full impact mindfulness. There is no omission fee, just the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. Welcome, my friends. Let the journey begin. And today, as always, I'm joined by my good friend, uh, co-host, and producer of this program, Mr. Mike. Mr. Mike, tell us something good about yourself. Oh, we're just enjoying the outside, enjoying these nice days we've been getting lately, so we're not ultra cooped up as we may have felt the last several weeks. Sun's The sun is a powerful molecule, absolutely. So, Mike, as most everyone I hope knows out there by now, I'm a behavioral health therapist, and so, Mike, I'd like to ask you, what's your conception of a mental health therapy session? What is your conception of counseling? Well, I, I got to say, and I have been around it between talking with you, Jim, over the years and, and our, our former uh, associates before that, geez, over the last 10 years. Uh, so I might be a little uh, enlightened to it, having never participated myself. Uh, yes. But I still, I still, to a point, imagine, just like you see in the movies, uh, somebody sitting on the couch and telling them about their life and their feelings. Okay, someone on a couch like in the movies. However, uh, there may be a couch in the room. However, it's rarely laid on anymore, okay? So when you see the couch, everybody would associate that with Sigmund Freud and psychoanalysis. There was a couch, and it's actually in a museum. And Freud sat to a chair, if we're facing it, to the left. And most people thought that that was a tremendous breakthrough in psychotherapy. However, the real reason that Freud sat off to the side was that he had a phobia about people staring him in the face. He he did not like to make eye contact with people. He found it very uncomfortable. So he sat he sat off to the side and had the person lay down. There was very little face-to-face interaction during his sessions. And actually, Freud was trained as a neurologist. Uh, when we think about a person receiving counseling, when you think about someone going to counseling, what comes to your mind, Mike? Well, I think about somebody who's in some pretty major dire straits in, in their life. Absolutely. So... Let's imagine the scenario of a group of neighborhood people having an outdoor barbecue and two people start to gossip a bit and the two of them say, do you know what the, do you know what the Mike Sorg is doing? Mike Sorg seeing a shrink. Now, what might some, what might that conjure up in some people's minds? They might think Mike Sorg is going crazy. Yes, they think Mike Sorg's crazy. They, some people associate mental health therapy with straitjackets. All right. And of course, that's, that, that can be used when a person's violent and needs restrained. However, that's, that's a rare occasion. 99% of the time, Mike, it's human beings talking to human beings. It's about people who maybe have a little bit of a road bump or a pothole in their life that they that they need an assist with. Maybe they have a flat tire in their life, figuratively. 
that they need help changing. Okay? And here's what counseling is not, Mike. It's not about giving advice. If you want advice, go to an attorney. So when you ask someone for advice, when you ask someone, what should I do? How often do you actually give somebody advice other than in your profession, technical terms about what to do with media? Well, the fun thing is I I often tell people what not to do. (laughs) Well, yes, yes. So if someone comes to you and say, Mike, should I quit my job? How do you answer that? Mike, should I leave my wife? Mike, should I leave my partner? It kind of turns into, do you think you should? (laughs) Yes. So most of the times when somebody asks somebody a life question like that, they already know the answer, Mike. They just want someone to validate it. So yeah, Mike agrees that I should leave you. Okay. Or yeah, my therapist, uh, my therapist agrees with me. He thinks you're a so-and-so. And in that case, it's a little different. People are just looking for permission to do the thing that they already want to, but maybe what they feel guilty being the one that wants to do it. They don't want to be the one who pushes the button. Mm-hmm. So they want the go ahead from somebody else. Well, uh, Mike, Mike told me this would be okay. So that becomes more of a, an accountability issue, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we as therapists have a fiduciary responsibility. Number one, to do no harm. Of course, we have, I have that tattooed on my arm. Do no harm. That's the, that's one of the number one counseling terms that we learn in air quotes, counseling school. We do no harm. We could say, well, I don't know what you should do. However, can you tell me I have a good idea that you know what not to do? You have a good idea of what not to do. So counseling is not about giving advice, Mike. Counseling is not about being a participant in a pity party, okay, Uh, or giving someone sympathy. Because if you're giving someone sympathy, then all you're doing really and truly is participating in their misery, participating in their misery. And in the 12-step world, we call it co-signing BS. This pity party, that doesn't help people. That doesn't help it. If you're looking to get forward in your life, if you're looking to deal with depression or anxiety or some type of a phobia, is having someone telling that, telling you how sorry they are for you, it, does that help? No, it doesn't. Actually, it only reinforces that. It reinforces it. So I guess I'm kind of a blunter type of therapist when I practice this full impact mindfulness. And I let people know right up front, that there will be no sympathy because that doesn't help them. However, I also tell folks that I'm interested in you inventorying your gifts, talents, and abilities and me encouraging you with encouragement and support to add to and enhance those strengths that you do have. I often tell patients at the first session, which we call a counseling evaluation, that Uh, We could spend the next six months talking about character defects and perceived weaknesses, and I'll guarantee them that things will get much worse. I generally begin sessions by, tell me what's good about being you. Tell me what's right about you. Tell me some things that you're confident about. Another thing that counseling is not is assuring people that everything's going to be okay. Mike, how many times in your life has somebody said to you, oh, I know everything's going to work out, Mike? Mike, 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 don't worry. Everything's going to be, everything's going to be okay. I know, you know, you're, you're going to get that job. That person's going to be out there. I actually was listening to the one today where uh, somebody kind of has an advice call-in show 
about business and life. And they said, listen, you're going to do this and everything's going to be okay. Or it won't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mike, a therapist, me telling someone that everything's going to work out, don't be concerned. Don't worry. Everything's going to work out. That's the single worst thing that I could tell them. Do you have any reason? What's the reasoning behind that, Mike? What would be the reason? Then the next time that person has another bad day or things get worse or something comes out of left field, they're going to come and blame you. Yes, Mike, everything may not be okay. Everything may not be okay. So what we help people do is develop coping skills. Uh, We've talked about this before in old 12-step term. God doesn't close one door without opening in another. However, that to me, that's kind of Pollyannish. All right. But in the 12 step world, what we say is that's true. However, it's hell in the hallway. So sometimes I'll tell people when they tell me the things that are going on in their life, I'll say, okay, welcome to the hallway. Now we're in the hallway. What are we going to do about it? Let's developing the coping skills to rather than just say, oh, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. I know you're going to pass that test. I know you're going to get that job. I I know, I know your aunt's going to get better. No, no, I, I, I can't do that. And I kind of don't think it's a wonderful idea for other people to do that too. Okay. Or being the solution to their problems. Has anyone ever came to you and said, you know what? Uh, we can't decide this. So we're going to leave it up to you to make the decision on that. Has anyone ever come to you like that other, other than a media type of problem? I hear about that in, especially in the creative fields. Um, you know, when I say, well, how are we going to do that? And says, I don't know. Make it great. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, people would often come to Dr. Chaudhry or myself and say, uh, we can't really make a decision in this, or I can't make a life decision on this. So we're going to let you make the decision. so we cannot be the solutions to people's problems mike mike our job as therapists is for them to gain confidence gain self-esteem gain self good self-concept about themselves the ability to make choices to be their own therapist to get along in their life why would i want them to become more dependent on me exactly Jim, can I go on a metaphor here that since it is a very special holiday as we record this, and I think it's pertinent to this, but uh, it is May the 4th, and, and and Jim, you know what May the 4th is, right? I do not. Well, that is Star Wars Day, Jim. <laughs> okay, how, how is that Star Wars Day? Uh, it will be May the 4th be with you. So, oh, may the fourth be with you. Isn't that cool? So in that line, I wanted people to think about Yoda that are Star Wars fans out there and think okay. about think about Yoda in, you know, we're talking about Return of the Jedi and, and uh, Empire Strikes Back when you first meet him. And he's leading Luke through his Jedi training. And he's not telling him how to do it. He's more showing him the path. He's leading him down to deal with his uh, inner struggles when he leads him into that cave. And he he confronts uh, Darth Vader, uh, an image of Darth Vader in the cave. Um, you know, there's there's no try, only do. You know, there's there, he's not telling him. He's more just guiding him along the path and becoming that. And when I think of counseling, when I think of you, Jim, I think of you as somebody's Yoda helping them to find the path, get through the hallway, if you will. 
that's an excellent, excellent metaphor as uh, one of our favorite quotations is, the best teachers show you where to look, however, they do not tell you what to see. The best teachers. And that's, I think that's the way your Yoda is. So here's what, here's what counseling can be. Counseling involves active listening, validating a person's thoughts and feelings, and realizing that their perception is their reality. If they're having anxious thoughts, if they're having delusions, if they're having depression, who can tell somebody that their thoughts are faulty or that they're, they're crazy thinking, okay? We have to remember, people's perceptions is their reality, and then we introduce them to reality testing. We introduce them to wise mind, emotional minds, but active listening is the most important thing. Developing a therapeutic relationship with someone, having them having them feel safe, having them trust you, is ninety percent of therapy. Mike, in some cases, you may be the only person that they do trust. Well, everyone's looking for non-judgmental listeners. Okay, and parents often say to their children, "You can tell me anything. Tell us anything." will understand, well, sometimes the first time you do come to your parents or a person and you do tell them something that's really out of the ordinary, then they get very upset mm-hmm. and then all the flags go up. However, even if you're the most non-judgmental individual in the world and you tell somebody some deep, dark secret, maybe something that's embarrassing, something that you wouldn't care to have advertised, even though that person may be non-judgmental, you're with that person 24 hours a day. You live with them. So you're maybe thinking, this person knows that. What are they thinking about me? Maybe the therapist you might see once a week, once every two weeks, once a month. So you feel much more comfortable telling that person that because you're not interacting with them on a personal level outside of that room. So what we do, Mike, we explore strengths. I'm much more interested in what's right about you than what's wrong with you, okay? What your perceived weaknesses are. If I came to you and we entered into a contract and the first thing I did was point out everything that you do wrong, everything that you need corrected, would you want to do business with me? No, absolutely not. And, 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 that's, and that becomes, a, you know, that becomes so important. Yes. So have you ever had to stop somebody and say, hey, can you tell me anything I do right? And so many people don't live in a world where that is brought to the surface, right, of, of what they're doing right. People aren't complimented. People aren't in reinforcing relationships with their business or, the, or, or those around them, unfortunately. How often do you hear arguments among spouses where you just tell me everything I do wrong? And that sometimes that gets to be, but remember, those are surface issues, okay, like not putting the cap back on the toothpaste or not picking up your clothes or not taking out the trash. There's something that's driving that behavior. There's a deeper subcurrent under that. And that's those type of arguments are like, again, we talk about blowing smoke out the first floor window when the basement's on fire. Okay, so by exploring strengths, we help them gather you only can gain confidence by exploring your strengths. 
not your weaknesses. So if you if someone continually points out to you what you do wrong, very quickly you begin to develop that own perception of yourself. You begin to second guess yourself. You begin to have trust issues. So what we help people do is assist them in discovering in their own solutions. Mike, who's the expert on your life? You are, because you're the one that lived it. That's correct. Who do you spend more time with other than yourself? Nobody. No one. You're with yourself. So one of the things we help people do is begin that relationship with themselves. So we help people in making wise mind choices. And it's one of the, it's one of my first tattoos that I received. I choose the two most powerful words you have in your vocabulary. If you understand and are willing to accept the consequences, then everything's a choice. So we help people make independent decisions. And the real bottom line here is, accepting the consequences of their decisions. So when you make decisions, either personally or business, do you weigh the consequences of your actions, Mike? I try to. Okay. Okay. So when you enter into a contract or you explore a new business opportunity, do you you explore the consequences of that decision? Yeah, absolutely. You, you look into how is this going to affect me if I if I go down this road? That's correct. Willing to accept the consequences. Okay. If you quit your job, you know, how many times to say, oh, I hate my boss, all oh, these things. And the other person say, yeah, you really ought to quit. And they quit. How often does people, do people make those emotional mind reactions without considering the consequences? Yep. Absolutely. And then wondering, wondering, okay, what do I do next? Why is it so hard to get a job? Because of the way I quit, all those kinds of things. How am I going to make the car payment? How am I going to, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay the mortgage? Uh, all these type of things. Those, those are, those are consequences of decisions. However, if you're willing to accept the consequences, then everything becomes a choice. So what we have is a therapeutic alliance. Okay. We're, we're active listening, provide encouragement and support and point out blind spots to individuals. Okay, so what we do is we have what we'd call gentle confrontations. Uh, so let me give you a how I used to explain this to the physician assistant students that, that we mentored at Seclair. I would have this type of example. I'd say to them, I'd say, well, Mary, uh, you tell me that you, you really enjoy coming here. And I believe that because you're you're bright, you're inquisitive, you volunteer, you're genuinely interested. However, you're half an hour late every day. Could you help me understand that? That's a gentle confrontation. Could you help me understand? Uh, Mike, um, you tell me that you really love wrestling. However, you never go to matches. Could you wrap, could you help me wrap my head around that? Could you connect the dots for me? Those are gentle confrontations. It's not, it's not coming up to someone and saying, explain yourself, young man. They're gentle confrontations. We want to help people facilitate positive change in their life. I don't think anyone rarely would come into your office to tell you how wonderful, uh, or how happy they're with the company that produces their podcast or their media. 
Mike, I just wanted to tell you how happy I am with this other company that make does all these things for me. I saw that you have a, a media uh, firm, and I just want to tell you how good mine is. Or no, and it's rarely does someone come to a, a therapist or a psychiatrist and say, "Hey, I just wanted to stop in and tell you how good my life is." I wanted to tell you and stop is how good I am at making decisions and and, and with acceptance and compassion. So I consider the people who seek assistance with their lives have much courage that they're willing to say, I can't handle this by myself. So I kind of liken that to, let's say your automatic transmission uh, goes sour in your car. Well, you know how to drive a car, right? However, and people know how to, they're living their lives. When they run into an issue figuratively like an automatic transmission going sour sideways in their car, then they need to take that car to an automatic transmission repair specialist. And when you're having mental health issues, something that's not quite going so well in your life, and you can't solve it, you admit to yourself that, by myself, this issue is a little bit bigger than me. Then you ask for help and you ask for assistance. And that's that's how I liken people going to therapy. You don't have to be seeing flying dragons. You don't have to be having audio-visual hallucinations. You don't have to be, and I dislike this word intensely, crazy as other people would put it. You have where maybe when you're having periods of intense sadness that last for an extended period of time, when it's causing dysfunction or the disruption in your daily living, activities of daily living, in your social interactions, your interpersonal reactions, your romantic reactions, your work, uh, your social life, your schooling, then those are matters that perhaps a therapist, a qualified person can help you deal with. Okay. There's many people out there who have, who have the best of intentions to try to help you. All right. So let me tell you a little bit what it takes to be a, uh, a licensed therapist. First of all, there's a four year, uh, college degree. Uh, then there's three years of a master's level degree in clinical mental health counseling. There has to be 60 credits. Then there's a examination called the National Counselor's Examination that one has, has to pass, uh, which is a real challenge. And then there's t- two years, 3,000 hours at least of, and then there's 3,000 hours of supervised counseling experience that cannot be done in less than two years. And then, my friend, then you are eligible to apply for a license. So we're talking four years of undergraduate training. We're talking three years of a 60-credit master's degree. We're talking completing a examination to show that you've actually learned something, and then 3,000 hours of supervised counseling experience that can't be done in less than two years. So we're looking at seven, we're looking at nine years of preparation to become a licensed therapist. Did you know that, Mike? 
No, I didn't. And uh, that really shows when you're when you're in that room and 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 having that conversation and somebody who's really has put in the work to get to that point. Yes. Yes. Uh, please believe I'm not bringing that up and I'm not putting myself or therapists up on some type of a throne. I just want people to understand that we just don't decide to become a therapist and sit in a chair and listen to people. Okay. Uh, many people think that, well, gee, you have an easy job. All you do is sit there and listen to people for 45 minutes. No, we crawl around in the mud with people's most intimate pain, their anxieties. We sit with them through all areas of their life. We need to be able to have interventions, meaningful interventions for them. We have to chart all of these interactions with research and study. We have to be able to be willing to present in court. We have to write letters to insurance companies, lawyers, schools. We have to be their advocates for when they life insurance or social security disability, short-term disability, uh, IOPs, plans, dealing with guidance counselors at schools, uh, all types of situations, way beyond the 45 or 60 minutes that you actually spend with a person. Just like most people would think that, gee, you know, Jim and Mike get together and they talk for, uh, they talk for 30, 45 minutes and that's in it. Then it goes out on the air. So why don't you tell a little bit about what you do behind the mic? <laughs> what do I do behind the mic that gets to this? <laughs> yes. Well, I got to schedule Jim and his his busy schedule, uh, talking to all of, all all of the clients. I, I have a big board in front of me that uh, is all the buttons and levers that uh, help make everybody sound good. In this, since Jim's remote in these times, is making sure you have the link and some software that we use. And then uh, that all gets broken up into several tracks. And I go through this entire podcast and try to take out the ums and the clicks and the mouth noises and make it a little sweeter. Do a little bit of editing so the music and everything is in there. Then upload it, write the write the notes, write uh, uh, tags, uh, set up social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. And then we go and do uh, little bits, those little visual bits you've been seeing in social media. So it's a, it's a several-hour process in order to get bring this episode out to you. Yes. So there's much work behind the scenes. It's like when you see a Broadway production. I don't think anybody, perhaps some people do, know that all the work that goes on into the artwork, the choreography, the training, the costuming, the publicity, the logistics, all of those things that go into making a performance that you might see in two hours. So I'm hoping everybody appreciates that, and I hope everybody respects honest work. So now, Mike, we're going to have a little challenge here. We're going to have a little challenge about what is a what is someone's perfect day for after the all clear blows completely on this quarantine that we're in. And I'll give everyone mine first. So here is my day. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to have breakfast at one of my favorite restaurants with two of my favorite individuals, Joe and George. 
Right after that, I'm going to get my children and my three grandchildren, ages four, six, and one and a half, and we're going to go to Highland Park in East Liberty, Pittsburgh, and have them roll around in the grass, go through the Go through the playground, enjoy themselves, lay out in the sun, listen to some music, and do that for a few hours. And then we'll go get something to eat. Right after that, I'm going to go to an AA meeting. And then after the AA meeting, I'm going to get together with my closest friend in 12-step recovery. And he and I are booking a flight and we're traveling to West Palm Beach, Florida, we're going to travel to Boynton Beach, Florida to visit our good friend Jake Steele. And my friends, I'm getting tattooed. Not drunk or high, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting inked. And I already have the uh, thoughts about those. I've been in contact with Mr. Jake. And then we're going to lay on the beach for a few days. So tell me yours, Mike. I don't really have one. I just want to get out to a wrestling show when that comes back. I don't care if I'm okay. filming. I don't care if I'm in the attendance. I just want to be at a wrestling show right now. That's my that's my place. That's my safe place. Okay, maybe not safe. I've gotten almost hit by a steel chair a couple of times last year, especially one time in Cleveland that was really close. But still, that is I want to be around people. I want to feel energy of people in a crowd. Ah, okay. That That sounds great. That's my big thing right now. So our challenge to the listeners of this program is to perhaps send us some sound bites or send us some written um, words about what they what their day would be like, what they're perfect. And remember, be as uh, be as extravagant as you choose. We don't care if it involves. Uh, climbing the Eiffel Tower and uh, parachuting off of it. Uh, be as extravagant as you'd like to be. What would be your perfect day after you've been in quarantine? And that's our challenge. And you can contact us and Mike can tell you how to do that after the podcast. And at, at the end of every podcast, we have a special prescription and that's fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and perhaps take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Do a kindness for yourself. Do a kindness for another. Our jobs, my friend, is do no intentional harm to anyone or anything. Namaste, my friends. Namaste. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.